Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? The Galactic Dads Podcast, a podcast by Geeky Dads, talking about all things geek, dad life, I am the father, and beyond. Language. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 71 of the Galactic Dads podcast. We are your dad destination for all things geek, dad life, and beyond. That'll include bits of dad advice for some of your daddy issues. We talk comics, video games, TV shows, movies, and whatever else strikes us as worthy to talk about. Today, I am B, as always, and I am joined by Jedi John. What's happening, man? Hey, how's it going? Good to be back on. Man, it feels so good to be back in the Jedi Temple. I, I mean, I, I love it here. Sometimes I forget how good it is to be surrounded by pops and various Star Wars figures and other movie memorabilia that uh, I, I forget until I get back in here, and it just makes me feel at peace. It feels good. I enjoy coming down here and just, you know, sitting here staring at things. <laughs> I just like to look at my horde. Well, I keep uh, playing with the fact that I'm like, you know, I could open up one of those Lego sets and actually build it. But then where would we podcast? So it takes up the whole table. Yeah. And <laughs> that would be awesome. You know what? Something's worth it. Uh, but it's not worth it. Don't do that. Okay, cool. Anyway, we are back today for the 71st episode. And we are excited because James Gunn's The Suicide Squad just dropped this past weekend. Uh, we're definitely going to be talking about that, and we'll be joined by our very own Florida man. Uh, Steven will be joining us via phone in just a little bit. But first up, we do want to hit you guys up with our beers of the week. All right, as usual, if you are looking to follow us with our beers of the week, you can check us out on the Untapped app. We, of course, are there at Galactic Dads. So definitely check us out, see what we've been drinking, and suggest a few drinks of your own. We are always looking for new things to try. Uh, and this week, I'm starting off with something new. It is, for me, a Yingling Black and Tan, which, I mean, I wouldn't have this if it wasn't for Jedi John and his travels, uh, so I'm very grateful. Uh, but, yeah, you know what? It's just a porter and a premium beer kind of mixed together, and it's really tasty. Yeah, it's pretty excellent stuff over there. It is. So I today have the Eyinger Brewery uh, Celebrator, and it's a double bock. So it's uh, just a nice Bavarian double bock. It's, uh, I don't know, it tastes delicious so far uh, after the first couple sips, but it's a 6.7% alcohol by volume. Uh, and again, it's Eyinger Brewery. So really great stuff. Yeah, I... Uh I like the bottle. But anyway. It's cool. It comes with a little goat charm on it. It comes with goat charms. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's good German beer. Take that right down. All right. So very good with that. We are going to keep this tight because we have a call to make. We are going to call up Mr. Floridia Man himself because we're talking movies. All right, let's do it. Let's give our friend a call uh, and go ahead and get the segment of the show started. How you doing? How you doing, our very own Florida man? How are you today? Doing well, doing well, all things considered. How are you guys? 
I, uh, you know, a little warm. We're schwitzing in the Jedi Temple. Yeah, I'm trying to figure <laughs> it out. It's amazing how you, um, you know, when you're when you make a new room and then you connect the correct air duct, but then you realize, you know what? I should have just taken that one because that would have made more sense. Yeah, it's all hindsight, I guess. You built the room. What's that? You built the room. Oh, you, yeah, did, yeah, you built the room. Yeah, sure. that's impressive. That's uh, as somebody who um, somehow plugs the wrong thing into the wrong outlet. That's impressive. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that. Yeah, no. Uh, my father-in-law and me just uh, took it upon ourselves to build out the basement, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we took the lower level air because I, I got a two two unit system in my house, and uh, we took everything downstairs from the lower <laughs> unit. And now, hindsighting it, I should have taken like a couple of them from the upstairs unit, but it's okay. You know what? Um, you've been in Florida for a long time now. Uh, what he's talking about is a basement that is <laughs> no, a subterranean I, I, level of your house. I miss basement so much. You have no idea. <laughs> Well, you know, down here, they kind of do it like in the reverse. Like This home, we didn't do this. We were looking at homes like this, um, where often the basement is in the second story. So it's kind of like a, like a ranch style. And then there's like, uh, you go upstairs, and there's like an entertainment room, and that's it for the upstairs. And so it's kind of this weird inverted basement style down here. But, oh, I got um, Interesting. But not nearly as fun because it's not underground and cooler, and, you know, there's it makes, it makes me think <laughs> of the attic from Arrested Development. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was in a warm climate, right? Arizona or something? Yeah, yeah that, that should be great. That's that's not hot yeah. at all. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Oh. we are glad to have you on. It is uh, getting advanced in the hours now, so we will get straight to it. I saw a lovely yeah. film on Friday. I know you did as well. And we're eager to talk about, it, and that's James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I'm sorry, let me say it correctly: The Suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Oh, oh, there he is. Hey, all right. I do the leg. I didn't want to. I want to break the break the ice. Oh, yes. oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, my bad. Oh no, you. No, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, take, I didn't know we take, were. Oh, take the reins on this one, bud. Yeah, you get to go ahead and run this one. I defer to oh. you and your superior James Gunn cinematic knowledge. <laughs> No, no. I mean, so yeah. I mean, I'll kick you off here. Is that I think, um, you know, I, I certainly would love to hear your opinions, especially uh, John. I don't know your familiarity with, with comics as much. Um, I think you're a Star Wars fan, uh, Brandon. I think you know, especially the DC guys. It'd be interesting to hear. But I, I, I thought this movie was it existed in this perfect realm between pre Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn where he worked at like trauma films. He did um, Slither. He did, uh, um, you know, he, he had this kind of style that was a little bit more punk rock, uh, very violent, very kind of dark. Um, but then it was also, it was married that, so it was married that pre-Guardian style with his post-Guardian style, which is a little bit more heart, a little bit more colorful and bombastic and obviously big budget. So it's kind of interesting as somebody who, um, you know, I really grew up watching James Gunn films. He's, he's from St. Louis. Um, I'm originally from St. Louis. Uh, you know, I was always kind of interested in, in, his, in his work. It really was kind of cool because I felt like we got to see this filmmaker, both ends of the spectrum of this filmmaker. Um, I suspect there's going to be a lot of people who see this movie who are only familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy. James I, Gunn. I would agree with that. There are a lot of people who go, Slither, what's that? Well, that's a movie yeah. about space slugs uh, with Elizabeth Banks in it. 
exactly. Yeah, and, and, and Nathan Fillion and Michael Rooker, a few people from this movie. Um, I, I almost bl- and I almost, uh, I, like I blinked and missed Nathan Fillion, even though I knew oh, he was yeah. in it. Uh, it was the second yeah. time watching. I went, oh, yep, there he is. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's fun to see James Gunn kind of populate his films with his buddies. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and and I don't know how much we can or how much you want to talk about spoilers up front or, or wait. Um, well, the but, good news is this won't drop until two weeks after the film has come out, so it will give okay. us a little bit of the post spoiler room to work with. Uh, but I okay. guess we might as well go ahead and say it now. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. You, you've got time to stop here and move on or stick around and enjoy and see if you agree with us, which you probably will. We're smart people. Well, Florida <laughs> man is. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's optimistic. I, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, um, I was going to turn this on this. Um, I think uh, there's no way to talk about this movie without going into spoilers, I guess. Like, it's, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. I get, I'm going to dive in as deeper as you guys, but I'll just say it from the top. I think Brandon and I, you and I, talk, Brandon, you and I have talked about how uh, DC films need to lean into the craziness of the comics. Um, yeah. That the DC comic universe is insane. It's you know you have people who are casting magic spells. You have gods. You have monsters. You have uh, you know Bizarro. You have uh, Mister. Uh, I can never say the name. Mister. Mister. Spitlick. Spitlick. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you have this insane level of, it's just absolutely grandiose. And, and, and that was kind of always interesting to me is the Marvel comics were more science and they were a little bit more grounded for lack of a better word. And the DC comics were just, just anything on the table. And it seems like the films have almost been the inverse of that, where Marvel has a talking tree and a gun toting raccoon and they have, you know, uh, Thor and, and Odin and you know they have all this kind of crazy stuff and, and the DC films are more grounded um, and it seems like as of late especially with this movie DC's finally getting around to what we've always said which is embrace the wild side of this Starro I mean the, the, you know, the half the weasel half the cast in this is just it's really really uh, diving into the wackiness of the DC universe and I love seeing that come to life yeah, I agree with you on the statement of that Marvel traditionally always wanted to be, hey, we're the world outside your window, right? So if mm-hmm. you lived in New York, you should be able to look outside your window in whatever apartment you have and assume, yeah, I could see Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four, the Avengers cruising down the street. And then DC was just kind of like, you know, made up places. You know, we have aliens from different Earths who are our greatest hero. We're looking at Wonder Woman from an island of Amazons who be are, you know, eventually become descendants of gods, the Greek gods themselves. And as far as the movies go, you're absolutely right. That with Superman, they did lean into how powerful he is, but they still tried to keep it grounded, like in the world around you. Mm-hmm. Whereas Marvel, even though they start out with the man who builds a suit of armor, very technologically based, um, doesn't take very long to jump into, you know, the, the realm of Thor or to go ahead and go into outer space with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they were happy to stay there, even enough so that in the Avengers sequels, you get these non-Earth-based heroes, for lack of a better term, because I don't think we know what else to call the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, They all show up, and Marvel's very comfortable staying there. 
And to DC's detriment, they decided, no, we're going to keep this gritty and grounded. And I think that's one of the huge problems that they had with the first Suicide Squad. It was, okay, this is pretty cool. And now they're getting into action. We have no emotional connection to any of these characters. So we don't really care what happens here. And then, you know, I think James Gunn was very aware of that when he wrote The Suicide Squad. And you get to meet these characters really fast. And then, of course, you get to say goodbye to them really <laughs> fast, which I personally was okay with because uh, I was like, we don't have enough movie for all these characters. Like, I look at all the Suicide Squad on the poster and I think, no way we can fit all of this into a movie. Like, this might be a problem. And then within 7 to 12 minutes, you go, okay, problem solved. We, uh, we're on with the team that we've seen from the trailer and it's good to go. And they, they do go out there with it, though. Even Mongal. Like, the yes. the team for Task Force X is like, so she's like an alien or something? Or, like, do we even know? And Waller's just like, focus. Like, so it's nice to see them lean away from that gritty, we're on the streets kind of action and just go, yeah, there's crazy stuff here, but don't focus too hard on it. We're just going into the story. You should want to be entertained by this. No, absolutely. That, that, the, the, gambling scene or the, the placing bets, man, that reminded me of a cabin in the woods. Uh, it which, really did. It did. Yeah. 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 And I feel like totally kind of just that dark humor that I love. But yeah. I want to ask you guys both are interested. Did you, were you, so I'll just say this up front. This is not me trying to be like, Oh, you know, but I, I always kind of had a hunch that team a was going to bite it pretty early in the film. I think in the trailers, I was like, it just, I just got that vibe. You know, it was going to be a little bit of the um, of, uh, X-Force kind of scene in Deadpool 2. Were you guys, were either of you surprised by Team A biting it so quickly? Were you surprised, like, I guess biting it at all or that it happened so soon in the film? Well, I think just from the trailers, you can kind of base the assumption of you see some people at different times during the movie. And there's a definite team that's around at the end of the movie, even in the trailers. So you're like, mm-hmm. I, you know. These are the goners. I will agree with John in the fact that by the time in the trailer you see Starro, which was <laughs> huge to reveal in the trailer, right? Uh, which was a bold move, I think. I think had they not revealed Starro, the internet would have just absolutely exploded on Friday. Uh, but yeah. that's okay. Like I'm glad they, I'm glad they did. I knew what to expect. It was cool. But by the time they were fighting Starro, you knew that Javelin, um, Weasel. Savant, you know, all these characters were not there. So when you see them in the very beginning of the film and they even remark, this is the suicide squad. You're like, yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing all these guys by about 20 (laughs) minutes in. Yeah. It's really just the bet on how are they going to go or or who's going to go first, Mm -hmm. which is is what they did in the movie. So it worked out. You know, a big part of me, I was shocked at just how quick they were to to have like um, a betrayal on the team. So when Pete Davidson's yeah. character washes up and says, "Hey, it's okay, it's me. I called you guys. They're all behind me." And then instead of any type of, "Hey, you know, we'll offer you sanctuary or anything," it's just blow his face off and then light everyone else up. And that scene jumped out to me a little bit. Where 
again, I'm a big fan of this movie, but like that scene jumped out to me. Is it almost something that was a little bit, there was a little extra left on the cutting room floor. I don't know. There, there's something about it that was like, and maybe you don't need to know. Maybe we're just getting it from the POV of the other characters, which is somebody that they don't know who's on this team sold them out. But I, I was always curious. I wanted to know more about that. I kept expecting a little bit more insight into how somebody inside a maximum security penitentiary was able to contact this guerrilla group in a South American country. You know what I mean? There had to be some channels worked, and it was just an interesting turn uh, without a lot of explanation. I agree with you that there's probably something left on the cutting room floor that would have bridged that gap. You know, maybe somebody comes and visits. Um, I don't know why, but his name, his code name's escaping me now. Uh, but Pete Davidson's yeah. character, Pete. <laughs> yeah. maybe he'd be Pete Davidson. That's fine. Everyone knows Pete Davidson. Yeah, <laughs> just how, been playing himself from SNL. <laughs> how he makes that connection to like the government of a mm-hmm. island is pretty interesting. You're right, but I also think that it's really easy. Blackguard. That's it. Blackguard. Blackguard. Yeah, there you go. Like, it's not Black Knight. No, it's not Black, Black Knight. It's not Black Lightning. It's not. It's not Bloodsport. Which, by the way. Nice work on his costume, but we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, how he was able to do that. It's another part of those, another thing where you watch a movie where you just have to go because the plot necessitates, let it go and move on. Yes. Yeah, there's just weird little disconnects like that. I think that was some, one of the more prominent ones, and maybe it was just because it came up front. Um, but it was just, it was one of those weird little disconnects for me. It was a little hard to kind of to let go of. That's just me being overly critical, especially on my second viewing. Those are little things that picked out you know, yeah, it, on the second time around. It was the second viewing that you start to go, wait a minute, why are you even there? Yeah. But, um, oh, I, I wanted to touch on something before we jump further a little bit. Is that, and I, again, I want to ask, I assume you both have seen the original, the first one, right? The first Suicide Squad? Yeah, David Ayer's yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, this movie, you just kind of touched on it, Brandon, is that, you know, they were really, really selling this film as like a, not a sequel. It's not a reboot, but it's not a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, to which I kind of call bullshit. It, it, you know, it was. I mean, there. I don't think you necessarily need to see the first one to understand this one. But there's clear uh, relationship building and expanding on between Captain Boomerang and Harley, oh, or sure, uh, yeah. Rick Rick Flag and Harley. Um, there's these things that they they definitely pick up. Like I think Captain Boomerang's death uh, is more impactful if you've seen the first one. Otherwise, it's just a dude who seems like he's friends with Harley Quinn, but you don't really understand why. Um, but, you know, this film made me appreciate David Ayer's vision more. You know, and, 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 and when I say vision is that, you know, he's really been making the rounds lately with really going down, uh, doubling down on the fact that the studio took the film away from him and made it what it was. In fact, they made it more like Guardians of the Galaxy after seeing, especially the trailers, especially after seeing what James Gunn did. So it's kind of ironic that James Gunn's in the driver's seat now, but, um, you know, he, he's made it really known that he has a cut out there. That's radically different. Supposedly even more different than the Snyder cut. Um, and frankly, I'd be, I'd be really interested if they, is never going to, or WB never going to do it with Suicide Squad, but, um, you know, but regardless of that, even the finished products we got, uh, he built these characters and he built Captain Boomerang, you know, you know, the, the, how they did the film, Harley Quinn's, um, style and demeanor and it just made me appreciate i guess a little bit more of the decisions he did as a director in this film because i think he did a lot of heavy lifting um 
for this film to succeed. I think, you know, we all know who Harley Quinn is. We all know, again, even if you're familiar with Captain Birmingham or not, you know, there's these little nuances that I think we have to spend a lot of time in exposition. We have to spend a lot of time figuring out who Rick Flagg was. Not that they did in the first film, but there's a little bit of a springboard into this. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of, I kind of want to go back and watch the first one now. Um, just because I think I appreciate a little bit, I'm going to appreciate it a little bit more after what James Gunn was able to kind of take the ball and run with it. I really think that you do not need to see that movie to appreciate this one at all. But having yeah. seen it does give you a little bit of background into those character relationships that you just pointed out. And even Waller, in the way that she talks yeah. to people, if you hadn't seen it, you're just like, man, who's this? Who's this really hard as nails chick? I mean, she is. Wow. But if you watch the first movie, when you she gets introduced over dinner and she makes senators feel uncomfortable. Yeah, kind of that, yeah. And then you see her at the end of the or midway through the movie, really, and just wiping out her own agents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is not yeah. a person. She is not afraid to spill some blood in the name of, uh, well, I guess, American interest. Whether those interests be altruistic or not doesn't matter. It's it's the American interest. Almost, she's almost as willing to protect it as say, I don't know, somebody is with peace at all cost. Peace, no matter the cost. I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill to attain peace. I will do it. What I, I was that? Those characters are actually really entertaining to meet. Uh, like Peacemaker, John Cena's character, of course, who we know yeah. we'll see again because HBO, well, I guess it is HBO Max, has kind of announced that they're going to have a series with him, which is so yeah. much fun. Um, Bloodsport was huge to me. And then for them to be able to point out these two new characters and say, and this is such a comic book move, right? Like every comic book fan will see two characters and go, they're the same. So to have them identify each other and their power sets or whatever they do in the movie and then have the characters <laughs> themselves go, wait a minute, no, that's me. That's what I do. He's like, yeah, I just do it all better. Really was entertaining. And then, of course, that makes sense because you knew what was coming uh, towards the end of the film. It's just smaller bullets, baby. Harder to do with smaller bullets. Well, and, and I can't wait to see, you know, uh, the take a to jump ahead in the film a little bit. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with Peacemaker. I, this is a good question for you guys, too. Is were you on, Everybody I've talked to, including myself, was always under the impression here that the spin-off was going to be a prequel. Um, and I don't know why it seems like everybody in my orbit collectively figured this out, or, or unless something was said along the way. Um, but I almost kind of wonder now, based on the Ed credits thing, or if it's going to be a sequel. Uh or, you know, following up. And, and I really hope it is because the Peacemaker is an interesting character. Um, you know, I, I think John Cena is a great, I think he's really made a name for himself as a comedic actor. It's, it's interesting that he can be an action star, but he really has his, I, his action. Yeah. Roles, you're right. Are entertained because they're usually like grand explosions, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, he's, he really gets into his comedic roles. Like, uh, was it stepsisters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faye, Amy Poehler, hilarious. And even, uh, what other one was he in? Uh, Blockers. Blockers. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I look like Mark Wahlberg. What was it? What was the movie with, uh, uh, I look like Mark Wahlberg, gave Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, that's Blockers. Right, he, was it Blockers? Okay. Yeah, he's got this great comedic timing. Um, by the way, too, it's not too far from here. 
Um, but he, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, all the wrestlers live like <laughs> a few miles away. Um, but he, uh, where's going with this? Oh, so like the film, you know, I really want to see them pick up with his character in it because I think there's a lot to work with on this. He's this interesting character that I think was kind of two dimensional. And then as the film goes on, we start seeing obviously more shades too. And by the end of the film, you know, uh, Rick Flag's final words to him, that what a joke. It looked like it really, really cut him deep. It looked like it really rattled him. Um, and then, of course, 10 minutes later, you know, he had that smaller bullet line used against him. Um, yes. And then get shot and shot in the neck. And I have to imagine somebody like that would wake up out of a coma, maybe reevaluating things a little bit. Um, maybe. Well, maybe, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I guess I feel like the character is almost a little too two dimensional to carry on like this for an entire season. I don't know. But, uh, I, I honestly think he could. That's the type of character that could see that and double down and say, well, he's not that great because I'm still alive. And then sure continue do. on his path of arrogance. Well, I can't wait till that be, just to see what they use him for. Because even the doctor was like, "What do you want him for?" Oh yeah, and the two, yeah. the two we're on punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To your Which, point, uh, though, I, I really, it could go either way. He could wake up going, "What am I doing?" Or he could wake up going, "I'm much better." Sorry, while I was tapping into her call. Yeah, oh, she was. And God, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't, don't, don't cross her. That's not the person who oh, wake up with a headache. <laughs> a real headache. <laughs> the last headache you've ever had. It'll be half a head. Would you really let his daughter die? You don't know the half of what I'd do. Okay. <laughs> guys, I don't think I've ever been so like unnerved by a fictional character in a while. <laughs> she honestly is more unnerving than some of like classic horror villains. You yeah. know, like, she's more unnerving than some of the people that we meet in this movie that you know I've done. Yeah just awful, terrible things. And you're like, she still might be worse. Yeah, I'd rather sit next to Weasel than her. I'm not sure about you, that. You guys sent me next to a werewolf? Children. <laughs> 27 children. Relax, he's not a werewolf. Although he's incredibly dangerous. I did love some of the cameos in the movie. Like, you don't get to see them uh, much, but like Calendar Man shows up. I enjoyed yeah. Calendar Man. It, it was just kind of cool seeing some of the extra villains that off to the side that aren't on the mission, but... You get to see. I honestly could not believe that, that was Sean Gunn again. By the way, Calendar Man was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even catch that. I was too busy looking at the dates on his forehead and going. They <laughs> put Calendar Man in here. Yeah, the I can't believe it. So great. Which is actually really interesting that they did that, considering that um, the animated Batman: The Long Halloween mm-hmm. is also concurrently just been released. So it's kind of like a yeah. fun. Like that's the villain they picked. That's cool. That's cool. At least DC's kind of working with itself. So, uh, you know, we were some of the characters here. I'd be interested in everybody's favorite character. I know it's kind of probably hard to narrow down to one, but you're curious what the characters that you guys really gravitate towards. Well, I mean, it's hard not to pick Harley, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to say Bloodsport. Well, of course you're going to say Bloodsport because he's essentially the protagonist of the film. Right. Which makes me feel bad for Rick Flagg, but that should have also told me what was coming for Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg kind of hurt. That hurt. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that really broke my heart. You've had two movies with them. I mean, it's, yeah. But like I said, again, looking like back on that back. retrospectively, you should have known that was coming because he was the leader in the first one. Bloodsport's the leader in the second one. And then, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
But I still, I want to pick Harley because Harley, you know, she did something in this movie that I think is kind of difficult to pull off. She was consistent to a character for the third time. Like in mm-hmm. a movie, like we've got the first Suicide Squad, we've got Birds of Prey, and we've got now the Suicide Squad. She is still her, and then this time she is way more dangerous. And she grew. She did. She grew again. You know, like no Joker in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see her new flair. That is, yeah. You're not like. It's so funny some of the Easter eggs that she just drops on people too, like with the personal <laughs> the personalized plates or whatever. Like <laughs> Joker had that, you know. Like so, it's just one more Joker. That's yeah, a good point. But it's also I really, didn't think about that. It's also really good after she tells the uh, I guess the president. Oh yeah. Uh, and then he says one thing that's messed up, you yeah. know, and she's like, you know, I promised myself if I saw any red flags, <laughs> I would do the responsible thing and kill him. Yep. It <laughs> says she does. Done. I just Which love is still, the, that's growth for and, her. And actually. I still just love yeah. the animation around her while she's like escaping and stuff. Just, it's just funny because of flowers and birds and stuff. And yeah. The, and the birds are scared of her. as they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about birds in this film? James Gunn really seems to have it out oh, for Oh yeah. The canary. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, not just that, but the birds that were set on fire in the canary. Oh, and, the fire, yeah. uh, oh I forgot about the fire. Yeah. You know why you forget about it? Cause it's off screen sort of. Yeah. Well, and that canary, I mean, I always felt like that was a little bit of a, you know, the beginning of the canary in the coal mine, you know, a little bit of a metaphor, but... Um, but then the canary's back, and he's kind of just eating Savant's head. Yeah. I just feel like James Gunn really doesn't like birds. I don't know. It's so weird. It's possible. I, uh, um, uh, with, with Harley, uh, going back to Harley Quinn on that, I uh, you noticed, too, that they removed, um, I think they said one of her tattoos, like she had a tattoo on her face. Um, the jet that was from the suicide squad. Yeah. They got rid of some of that and they kind of scrubbed her of that a little bit. Yeah. But they did um, leave it, the daddy's little monster though. Yeah. But they changed yeah. a lot about her jacket. They did. And well, her new well, outfit. She, yeah. This her was like doll. a new update for her. Yeah. Which this was well, pretty it, close to the Arkham city. Harley. Yeah. And you got the line yeah. like, Oh, you're back in jail. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. They, they bridged that gap from birds of prey very seamlessly. What'd you do? I even forgot what she did. The only uh, the only thing I was bummed out that she did not have was they could have at least brought one of the hyenas, like to watch it get in a fight with Weasel on the plane. That would have been hilarious, and like someone shoots yeah. it and move on. Like that would have been so funny, but uh, that's okay. Just to watch a hyena die. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they would do it off screen, but like Weasel. It's, and not, a, it's not a bird, so they won't do it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, birds are expendable. Let's be real. <laughs> Can we talk about hyena real quick though? Because yeah. I was not expecting him to die like that. Oh, weasel? Yeah. Even though, like, as yeah. soon as they jump yeah. out of the plane into the ocean, and he goes right underwater, and Flag's like, did anyone ask if <laughs> Weasel could swim? And that was, like, everyone in the task room is just kind of quiet looking around. That is know? just, like, the classic administrative branch of any organization. Yeah. Like, you know what? That one went under our radar. That like, was my bad. Yeah, we didn't actually. actually clarify. Could this actually work? We just made the plan. <laughs> well, what a great setup, though, for the film. Yeah, I, I think that, like, you know, the, again, the film exists uh, kind of in, in my wheelhouse of what I really love, which is dark comedy. Um, oh, yeah. It's fun, it? funny. Yeah, dark comedy, funny violence. Like, I don't like things that linger too much, but I really love, like, 
it's gory and it's quick and it's funny. And um, yeah, this film just kind of, I, I think just pushing the weasel out and drowning it in the first, what, five minutes from the movie? <laughs> I think that really just, again, that whole beach scene, but that especially really, really sets the tone for the film. But it also kind of bothered me a bit because you see Savant, he goes back to kind of rescue Weasel. And so you're like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, but you're just like this ruthless, cold-blooded killer. And then he changes again when he's on the beach. He goes from responsible to, you know, to a cold-blooded killer to almost a coward. Because he's like, dude, there is no way. Uh, which, yeah. I mean, that character is necessary. And the way he dies is necessary because you have to know that Waller will push the button. There's always, in the Suicide Squad, there's always a character that she pushes a button for. Yeah, unfortunately, in the first one, it was slingshot, and uh, well, one nobody missed him, and two, it was just awful. I mean, it was just whatever. yeah, that was that was it. Nobody cared about his character. Yeah, this yeah. one though, at least had like even though it was only a few moments, you had a little bit of character development for you to buy. Yeah. Oh no, oh, and then at the end, Weasel like coughs up water on the beach and runs away anyway, which is hilarious. <laughs> All I can think about is he's off to eat so many children on an island. <laughs> Who are left? They were <laughs> turned into Starro well, kids. Your, your, your ten is. children left are going to die. I yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, because you know, otherwise we could talk about this for a long time with no real point. Which okay, that's what we're here for. But before we get into the similarities between James Gunn's previous work and this movie. And I think there are quite a lot of them. I did want to talk about my favorite scene in the movie. And that's when they go to rescue Rick flag and they are ruthlessly. It's really, it's kind of a pissing match between blood sport and peacemaker. Right? Yeah. And they're just both killing just without mercy in kind of hilarious ways to see who's the best and most efficient at it. And then they show up to the hut. Rick Flagg is supposed to be held captive in, and he's having to drink and play cards with the uh, the rebel militia leader. And they're like, yeah, we're freedom fighters. How come we don't know you're here? And they're all just like, oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah. that, that was my absolute favorite scene in the movie because they're just so busy showing off how badass they are. That they were completely <laughs> unaware of the fact that they might be ruthlessly killing the people who are supposed to help them. Well, what's funny about that scene too for me was I was I was starting to kind of question like there was like that woman who was not armed who was like washing her clothes and they like shoot her in the neck and I'm like yeah like she didn't seem oh. like much of a threat like yeah or the dude the dude that's taking a bath and they just yeah. shoot the leg of the fan so it falls <laughs> in the bathroom I'm like why. And the one guy, yeah, I started to kind of question it. Yeah, yeah. The one guy turns around; he's not even wearing pants, and it's like you know his business is hanging halfway down his leg. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody who's like ready to fight any type of military battle is walking around Donald Duck in it with their own AR-15 hanging free. Like it's not going on. Yeah, yeah. That was still my favorite favorite part by far. But uh, there was no scene like that in any of James Gunn's other movies, which, you know, maybe some of the other ones, but I'm specifically talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2, where I felt a lot of this movie, I almost felt like I was re-watching some scenes that were CGI altered, right? And I know James Gunn wrote this and directed it, so as he did with those, 
so it's pretty easy. But when they're fighting Starro, all I could think about was like the opening credits for Guardians Volume Two, when mm. Groot's dancing around, and the rest of the Guardians are fighting that like battery eating alien with tentacles nonstop, and everybody's kind of losing. Uh, no one dies, unfortunately. By the way, R.I.P. Polka Dot Man. Uh, he really was a oh, superhero. Man. He had, he was the only one with it, I think, a real arc in the film, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted redemption. Everybody else just went off the team. He, yeah, he yeah. had a full character arc. Yeah. I still can't believe that, that she, they went ahead and was like, I see my mom everywhere and made everyone. Those are some good scenes. <laughs> I don't know where he got the inspiration for that, but it was good. That was really good. I also like the, hey, Norman Bates, is that <laughs> contagious? <Yeah. laughs> That was one of my favorite. That was also a really good scene. But no, as I watched that movie, a lot of it, I was like, "We've done this before. Like, I've seen this." What's well, also amazing how like James Gunn will find that obscure character and bring them to the forefront and make them make the like the viewer love them. Wait, I mean, you gonna talk about King Shark? Yeah, I Nom mean, com- compared to like Rocket and Groot, who were in comics, very small parts in the Guardians, really, and. On screen, they are main. They kind of carry, they're, they're, they're kind of like the heart of the film almost. Yeah, well, especially Groot, right? Especially the first one. I mean, yes. So, uh, but yeah, King Shark. Like, <laughs> what's not to say about like you? Yeah, you, not love, to love. You, you love him. Like, you just love the big, big goofy shark. You were <laughs> about around. to eat me. Sorry, <laughs> I was hungry. <laughs> yeah. But also the um, peacemaker. For a lot of the stuff he said, I was like, this is just like a rated R Drax. Oh, yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I felt. I was like, this is Drax, but they let him say, like, cuss words. I mean, it was John Cena on just absolute steroids, like, just letting loose in this film. And like you said earlier, like, he's made his name in comedic acting at this point. Like, but this was another level for him. Like, even in blockers and stuff like that, it wasn't like this. Like, it was just a new level. Yeah, this was in the Red Band trailer. I remember seeing where the, he was talking about if this beach was covered. And then Ratcatcher just seemed so pragmatic. Like, who would cover a whole beach in dicks? And he's like, I don't know, but I'd eat everyone. You know, speaking of Ratcatcher, I saw that James Gunn uh, confirmed that she was to die in an early version of the script. And it, it, I kind of felt like I could see that coming because, you know, like earlier she had that line about like a. Uh, uh, to die for friendship or to die for the case of love or something like that would be a worthy death. And there was little hints here and there, but again, you know, talking about character development, what he's done, I, I just, and, and again, her, uh, I'm blanking on the actress's name, but her performance was so wonderful. And I just, I, yeah, I mean, he really got these great, um, great character beats out of everybody. You know, you said in the earlier script, she was supposed to die. You can almost like, that's believable because the scene where they're on the bus mm-hmm. And Bloodsport is like, I'm going to get you out of here alive. And she says, no, I'm going to get you out of here alive. That's a scene yeah. that makes you feel like one of you is not coming back. Well, and, and here's a good follow-up question to that is, I'd be curious what your guys thought about Would I mean, I think, you know, we go in this film, we expect everybody to be expendable. And I think at the very beginning, again, they clearly established uh, that everybody's Within reason, it is on the card. You know, like James Gunn made a big deal about how, oh, DC will let me, or WBDC will let me kill off anybody I want. There's no, and I think most of us who were savvy enough are going, yeah, it's not going to be Harley Quinn. Yeah, Harley, um, Harley's living. 
Yeah, but he made like a really, really big deal about that. And of course, some of that, or I, I think he made, like, I think he actually made an interview and I think the WB marketing machine took that line and then really ran with it. But, um, was there one character, one or two characters in particular that you were convinced was going to die and you were surprised you did it? That's a really good question. Uh, I think Rat Catcher's rat was going to die. Yeah. Well, again, if it was a bird, it would have. If she was a bird catcher, yeah. Yeah, I really did. I thought that rat was going <laughs> to bite it because I was like, you're too cute and too many people really like you. Uh, so yeah. you might not make it. Um, I was actually surprised Polka Dot Man died. I thought that maybe Bloodsport would have. Mm. And I really, like, I did not think Rick Flag was going to die. Uh, but Peacemaker, if you know, would not have been surprised if he bit it. Part of me thought that Waller might have died. Yeah, I could see that. What, what about what about you, John? Oh boy, um, there were so many options in the movie. So it's just so yeah, hard. Like I poster gives you options. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I guess one of the ones I thought that could get it, even though he was a comedic relief, was King Shark. Like I, that was mine. I, I was legitimately worried for him when when everything jumped in after him and then you see all the blood and you're like, Oh yeah, that's, yeah. that's a jaws moment. So you're good. <laughs> Cause he's eating well, them. That actually would have it, been it, really it, funny for him to die that way. But I thought I didn't, I never once felt that he was actually going to die. Yeah. I just the comedic. I mean, it, cause he's a comedic guy. So like you just, you, you have to have him still almost, I almost would, plot armor. Almost. I legitimately thought he was going to die for the fact that he was, you know, again, the big, the big running B plotter. I don't know, it was side plot. The thing was him and friends, right? Early on, Ratcatcher was like, "No, we're your friends, and it's important to have friends." And he was like, "I don't have friends," and and anything. And then he sees his fish, and he has this very whimsical, childlike moment where he's interacting with these fish. He's like, "These are my friends," and then of course they attack They'll him. They'll turn on him viciously. They'll turn on him, and I was like, "That would be an ironic James Gunn death." I, again, I guess I was coming in from this perspective of like up James Gunn humor. <laughs> you know, thinking that like, okay, these things turning on him and eating him that he identified as his friends and finally feeling this relief and sense of belonging and then they eat him to death. I really, really thought he was going to die. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that was coming as well. I could see it with him being like the heart, like we've already equated him to like this version's Groot, right? Mm-hmm. So he could have, you're right, he could have died and been like Groot sacrificing himself. So yeah. I would have seen him maybe taking the role, of course, Harley had to do this because we already know she got the javelin, which, by the way, was great. Like, yeah. javelin's dying on the beach in the middle of all that gunfire. It's like a D-Day scene <laughs> from, like, Saving Private Ryan. It's like, you must, and then he just dies, and she's like, I must what? <laughs> it's like smacking him around. <laughs> But then she uses it, of course, to, to pierce Starro's eye and get inside him. I thought it would have oh, made great. sense to put, well, King Shark actually did end up in there. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know on that one. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, nah, that doesn't hold any water. And also gross. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and the, other thing about, the other thing about King Shark I saw raised, and I, I saw this fan theory going around. I was like, this is brilliant, um, which is probably somebody reading too much into this, but. You know, we know that he's bulletproof, right? Like, he comes, I mean, first off, he falls like 12 stories, hits the ground, hits pavement. Yeah, he, up, he has or, you know. an amount of invulnerability. Yes. And then, of course, they're just like bullets bouncing off him. I mean, at point blank on us. Um, 
which begs the question, how did Amanda Waller get the bomb in his neck? And I saw somebody raised the point that they just, he's so dumb that they lied to him. And he ate it. <laughs> or just he's convinced that he had a bomb in his neck, you know. Like, oh yeah, you're like one of the others. We put a bomb in your neck and he's just so stupid that he just went along with it. But he was never Oh, I thought they tricked to like eat that. it. I think that'd be funny too. Well they could that have been funny it, too. eating it or they could have just slipped it through his gill. Yeah. <laughs> put in a hot dog and yeah. Yeah, well no, hey, stop asking these plot breaking questions here, okay? Yeah, we're just trying to enjoy <laughs> this. All right. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Again, I think it expands the story. I think that was a great idea. I, I love, uh, what was it on YouTube, the uh, the pitch meetings? And he's like, I'm just going to need you to get yeah. all the way off my back about that. <laughs> 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 well, how does that happen? Nah, I don't want to explain it, so I'll just go move on. I, okay. I forgot that I need to watch more pitch meetings. Because oh, I, I always oh, watch so the Honest Trailers. Yes. Right, which, yeah. which I love. Also very good. Also very good. But the... Uh, by the way, that's how I learned the the phrase "plot armor." What's <laughs> from Honest Trailer? How did you survive that plot armor? Oh, okay, yeah, and that was Black Widow to the core. By the way, oh but, my gosh! But anyway, um, yeah. yeah. Overall, though, where do you put this movie in relation to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One or Two? Is it better than one? Is it between the two of them? Like, what do you think? Because you know they're the hard Marvel versus DC people out there. They're like, oh, it sucks, it's stupid, it's not Marvel. Uh, but they can't articulate that past the argument of it's not Marvel. Uh, so I'm curious, especially from you, Florida man, where do you put this film? Um, so I'm, I'll go first on this. I, I, uh, I am an outlier here. Um, and I can explain my reasoning, but I like Guardians 2 better than 1. Um, by quite a large margin. Um, so I would probably put this right in between the two. It, it, it's, it's hard in the sense that they're kind of, like you said, Brandon, they're, they're very relatable or similar films. I mean, I think it's, especially in your first go around, it's easy to look at these and compare. Um, I think my second go around, I was less, I was able to kind of appreciate this on its own merits. But the first go around, you're kind of like, oh, here's the soundtrack cue. And oh, here's, you know, the King Shark group comparisons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I didn't um, even get to the soundtrack. I mean, to even bring that up, like that's its own character. Oh man, I you know it. it I don't know if you follow James Gunn on um on like uh, Spotify, but he's really good at kind of sharing music. Um, that I think is a little bit off the beaten path. The fact that, like the Jim Carroll band kicked off this with uh, all the people that died. Yes. Um, is. I, I would be very, very interested. I want to go into Google Analytics and see how many people are searching for that song because I think a lot of people, um, you know, there's the December on the soundtrack. There's that. There's uh, um, uh, Stewie Dan. There's, you know, there's it's quite a diverse soundtrack whereas The Guardians was obviously more rooted in the 70s, early 80s kind of style. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there's a lot of comparisons. I, I think... This film sits squarely in the middle for me um, between the two Guardians of the films. But I also think at the same time, while they are very comparable, I, I do think this exists in its own, its own space too. I, you know, it's, um, it's hard because they're similar beats or similar characters or similar setup. And of course, James Gunn has this kind of style. But this film really 
leans into, you know, the Guardians films, I guess, put a little bit of a, a barrier on James Gunn um, because it has to adhere to a PG-13 movie. So, like, I remember the first Girl Guardians movie was, like, true. controversial because it was, like, not controversial, but it was a little bit like, oh, this is edgy for a Marvel film. Like, you know, when you talk about putting a black light painting on or black light on, it looked like a Jackson Pollock painting, you know, around this room, you know. And there was these little jokes that were, like, or going right up to the line. A little much for was Marvel kids movies. There's yeah. even the scene where Star-Lord is just like unrolling the middle finger like that. That was yeah. edgy for a Marvel film. You're that right. was very edgy for Marvel. Yeah. And I remember being like, because, and then at the time thinking, well, that's James Gunn. That's what you get with James Gunn. Of course this would be. I just remember um, seeing it and I was laughing my butt off because I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> but this film like kind of takes like James Gunn loose, you know, the duck here, here's the thing. I'm on a tangent here, but you know, WB I think needs credit here for, letting James Gunn kind of go for it. You know, I mean, I know they looked at Deadpool and I know they looked at other R-rated, I mean, Birds of Prey did, Gangbusters. And it's a shame that this movie's not performing. It's performing really, really poorly. Um, well, it still has stigmatism around the first one. I think it doesn't help it. Yeah. And we're still in a pandemic, unfortunately. The pandemic, and, absolutely. And have to... it, yeah, it's really you know that meme with my fall plans and then the Delta variant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this one's still. It's. I mean, it's hurting from the Delta variant on this one as well. Well, no, absolutely, and I hope that's being. I, I would assume and hope that's being accounted for, but it's still going to sting one day. You know, five years from now, when we're looking at the DC film box office returns, and there's going to be like, you know, this giant drop off of the film uh, without the context around it, but. Uh, I think I think if it makes it to a second one for him, mm-hmm. it'll perform yeah. really well. Like I I, I truly I believe that. It. And if they don't title that another Suicide Squad, I think they're really missing <laughs> an opportunity there. Well, he said he's talking to two Warner Brothers in DC about other properties here um, that he's interested in and continuing this relationship. I truly, so like believe, I said, I, I you truly know. believe for him, nothing is out of his reach except for maybe Batman. Yeah. I think, and, he, and I, again, or or maybe Superman also. But that outside of, what kind of Superman you want? Well, I, I think know. personally, my dream project for him to actually direct, if we ever got a live adaptation of Rick and Morty, I would want him on it. That'd be fair. <laughs> I, can, I can see that. You know what I'm saying? Like that just feels yeah. like that fit is there already. But you would have to have input from Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. Right? Well, I would hope so. Like they I'm would sure have he would do it. it. Yeah, they would just have to be here with, there with him, and I think that would work out well. I will ask you, um, uh, Florida man here. So you said that you're on on the outlier for thinking Guardians Two is better than One, and you landed this movie kind of in the middle of those two. What separates the Guardians movie for you? I'm just curious. Like it, what what yeah, makes it, what makes two better than one for you? I already know. Can I take a stab at it real fast? You can take a stab at you might you you'll get half of it right I'm sure. Uh, because in the beginning of the movie, he flat out mentions being from Missouri. It's St. Charles, Missouri, no less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's just it. it, it it's you know, I guess I, I have a split between two different categories here for me. One is personal. So yeah, I mean, to Brandon's point, like there's a scene that literally takes place in my hometown of St. Charles, Missouri. There's uh, um, um. Lakeshore Drive on the soundtrack, which was a very Missouri-centric, Missouri-Illinois kind of centric song from the 70s. I grew up with that song, 
uh, because my dad, I did not realize that that's like an obscure song outside of those two states. Um, you know, there's, uh, I, it, again, I, I actually was so, again, this is more personal, but I moved down to Florida um, about less than a year before that movie came out. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever been through personally. Um, I was alone with no friends, no family. My wife started a new job and she was kind of always absorbed into that job. And it was just, it was a very, very hard time for me. Um, and I, and I struggled a lot and my dad, my, so my parents moved down about a year after we moved down and they followed down and my dad and I are very close. We see all these comic movies together. We see all the Marvel stuff together. We grew, I grew up reading comic books with them. So the first thing we did, one of the first things we did when we moved down was go see Guardians 2 together, um, which is obviously about a relationship between father and son, even though it's <laughs> positive. Um, I was going to say, you want, you, want, time, do you want that dad relationship right there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at the same time, too, I just found out I was going to become a father myself. Mm. So there was a lot this, of feelings. All right. So lots of personal A lot of feelings. More than, more yeah, than anything. But, but, so. Okay, go ahead. But what I was going to say, one, one thing I will say that's less personal, less about me, and just say how to get that out of the way, is I do think the first Guardians film doesn't get moving until about halfway through the second act. Um, when I rewatch it, I feel like the, the up front, the first act, just upon repeat viewings, kind of drags, whereas I feel like the second film is able to really hit the ground running. Um, again, I know I'm an outlier on that. I know... Uh, I, I just, I, I know I, but I, I feel like the first guardian film really finds its heart midway through the second act, third act. Um, whereas the first one, I feel like there's no establishment built up. There's no, uh, I mean, there is an establishment that thing again, I hit the ground running. Plus the soundtrack's better. I will argue that to the end of the, the, end of the day is the soundtrack. I like more into. Uh, so I mean, I, I told you you were an, an outlier because you said you were, I just quoted you, but I'm yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I love to, this is one. And hey. well, part of it is Baby Groot, part of it, mm-hmm. just because, you know what? Uh, okay. Some of my dance moves are just based on Baby Groot. What can I do? I mean, come on. <laughs> what you got to do sometimes, right? You move your arms a lot. You move your legs. Like, you're good. Uh, but no, no. Uh, on a serious note, you already met these characters. You've developed more with them mm-hmm. already. Um, I love the backstory on Yandu. Because I really yeah. enjoy that yeah. the the Ravager storyline and um, just watching him get to tear apart his whole crew yeah. after they turn on him, the, I think was mutineers. Wonderful mutineers, yeah, mutineers. the mutineers. <laughs> I don't know those mutiny people. Um, but it was just <laughs> um, it was funny. Like Baby Groot was meant to be the comedic aspect of that movie. Obviously. Oh, absolutely. And in, I enjoy that, and I do enjoy the father-son connection of, like, shoot, the first thing Peter Quill did with godlike abilities was play catch with his dad. Like, yeah. how, how endearing <laughs> is that? Because that's what, he, that's what he wanted out of a father on Earth or anywhere, really. That was his idea of, you know, David Hasselhoff was his dad in his wallet anyway. Yeah. It was his ideal. <laughs> I did love how he just popped in David Hasselhoff real quick there, Oh, too. yeah, real fast. That was nice. Uh. Um, but like the movie like carried so many more feelings. So that's, I'll agree with you there. Cause, and that's why I enjoy the movie more than the first one because just more feelings, but seeing guardians one compared to all the other Marvel movies that came out, I'm like, this is phenomenal. Just yeah, because true. Yeah. Level. just cause it actually like in like really had adult humor inside the, inside the just main script of the movie where you didn't have to search for it. Like the Jackson Pollock or like, it was just, 
it was, was there. there. It was there for you. And totally. yeah, while while a while a eight year old might be watching it with you, they have no clue of what that means. Yeah, there's and, like that that raccoon talks. Yes. And you're like, they just mm. made a very inappropriate joke and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And uh well, and, and, and that's what I love about um old school like Disney movies. Like they'll make those inappropriate parent jokes that the mm. kids don't get all the way. What do you mean old school? They'll do it now. Well, yeah, but it's still it's more hidden now, I feel like. Even like Pixar films, like it's not as well, Pixar prevalent. doesn't want to make you laugh anymore. This one make you feel unbelievably destroyed I don't emotionally. Know. I watched my I watched my dad start dying at Moana. Oh, Moana's a great movie. Yeah, when um he starts uh, he he says, "Oh, if the currents if warm, the currents yeah, you cold, you going the wrong way or whatever." Yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it's cold. cold. And it, he's now just smiling. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that that is. <laughs> yeah, he was just dying there. But yeah, it, but little stuff like that, like those are the stuff I like to see in movies anyway, but that's uh but yeah, I like two better than one also, so I'm with you there. So I'm, I'm, hey, that's John. You know, and, you know and I and, and I think I'd agree with you. I might put the suicide as far as James Gunn movies in the goes, middle, right? In the middle, Between which the is two. which is interesting because um, the Marvel vs. DC in me says go Marvel, but at the same time, James Gunn got to be James Gunn for this movie and just say, "I'm doing what I want." Exactly. I will put. I'm the exact same way as a Marvel guy. Nobody okay. asked me. But I'm gonna say this. Yeah. Why? Why are you wrong, Brandon? And like starting about- one more. <laughs> okay. First of all, uh, everyone cares what I think because I control the record button. So this can be over right now, gentlemen. <laughs> Mind your manners. I'm at your house. I'm stealing stuff on the way out. Well, we'll see how far you get. <laughs> <laughs> all the way out to the car. You don't even know what you have anymore. Anyway, I really I agree with the fact that I put Suicide Squad in the middle of the movies. I also think, though, that the reason Volume 2 is more enjoyable than Volume 1 is that you get to see those characters grow. And you get the same thing in The Suicide Squad. You get real character growth, right? Whereas in the first Suicide Squad, you get maybe, you know, Deadshot gets some character growth a little bit, maybe, not really. Uh, But, like, nobody else really gets any. You know, Harley's like we're yeah. the bad guys. Remember, like she stays in that mind frame. Whereas in this one, she's just she's not even worried about good, bad labels or anything. She's just living her life, right, and trying to do right by her friends. Which in Guardians Volume Two, you guys had already talked about like the father son relationship, but you also left out the fact that there's a sister relationship that's pivotal to Gamora, and uh, yeah. and. It really is. It's pivotal to Gamora because she completely changes. A fact that if you watch Endgame and Gamora's back, you realize that she's not the same and she has so far to go to be on Quill's level or even with her sister at that point. Um, So there's so much character growth for all the characters, and you can literally watch Groot grow. Um, Like you, You do. You even get to figure out why Rocket Raccoon's a bit of a dick. right? Like He talks about in Yondu... Uh, I think one of the best scenes in the entire film for me is when Yondu puts on the prototype fin. And it looks yeah. far more comic book accurate. And I almost cheered when that happened because, like, those are the little nuanced things that I love. Even though Kurt Russell is a universe level threat, right? Like, he wanted to complete his control over the universe. 
I still liked Ronan the Accuser better as a villain because from the yeah. jump, you know he is a classic villain. He is only working with Thanos so he can get his hands on power, and then he wants to just absolutely backstab. Yeah, he got the power stone. What happened? He he wanted the power for himself. Absolutely. That's why yeah. I enjoy Ronan better as a villain, and I know that's not a popular opinion, but I liked him. That and I really liked the actor, too. Like I was like, that's Ronan for real. Like They brought him to the screen the way he is in the comics. Like He is a real douche. Uh, especially for the Kree, uh, and that's saying a lot, especially if you've seen Captain Marvel. Uh, so I enjoyed that, but I do, I'm with you guys. I think Volume 2 is better than Volume 1, even though Volume 1 is groundbreaking. But I put the Suicide Squad in between because he's able to continue character growth from a movie he didn't even have a part in. And then he brings in you guys are my people. crazy, crazy, like out-of-this-world action yeah, with Starro, you know that was his idea. He was like, "Well, we we could do Starro, right?" And <laughs> and they were like, "What the hell are you yeah, talking and, about?" And you know, the execs at WB were like, "No, we can't do Starro." And he's like, "No, no, listen." So I did this movie, and it was called Slither. And it was like space brain slugs, right? Was I've been I've done this already. You guys are let me do this. Let's just do this. And they're like, "Yeah, okay." But then they took it like a next level step. They go, "Well." How do you fit in? He goes, well, obviously, the U.S. government sanctions these experiments not on their soil. And everybody's like, no, that sounds right. Who would like, do I've that? Seen this. Right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then they take it the next step further and say, well, once the Staros have you, you're essentially dead. You're part of the hive mm-hmm. mind in your body, just as whatever. So to see these experiments really takes us up like to a whole nother like, level of body horror, which is where I think that nobody yeah. really – Nobody really realizes that James Gunn excels at that. When he does a horror movie, it's always body horror, right? Like Slither, perfect example. Uh, it's the type of stuff that makes you squeam a little bit because you're like, ooh, that could be, you know, like us. But then he always brings yeah. it back down with this wonderful comedy and like his hilarious kind of take on like dark humor that <laughs> resonates well for all of us and you know, if you need an example of that, think of what I just said was my favorite scene in the Suicide Squad, where they're killing the Freedom Fighters just to to have their pissing match, and then they go, "Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, sorry about that." And 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 to add that at his heart, I think that James Gunn is one of those rare uh, directors and writers who is able to balance horrific imagery, like you said, body horror and dark humor and. You know, a lot of stuff that probably be kind of distasteful in a lot of settings and then makes it okay because he balances it with so much heart and so much soul. And you care about the characters and you care about their motivations. And you care about, you know, like the, the thing about like the violence in this film is it never felt mean spirited, um, which is saying something for the fact that like these star, Staros, Starfish, like effectively kill everybody, you know. That is a huge statement because you're right. It should feel mean spirited. I mean, Peacemaker himself says, uh, I will kill as many men, women, and children as I have to. Right, But you never once go, yeah, he's an awful person. You just go, oh, my God, what an idiot. Like, that's the skill <laughs> that's level good. that James Gunn has. And also, there's a huge credit to John Cena there to deliver a line mm-hmm. like that where you know he's serious, but you also cannot take him seriously. Yeah, that's yeah the I think in anybody else's. It's because his helmet looks like a toilet seat. It's patriotic. 
<laughs> yeah, I think in anybody else's hands, I think this movie would have been like way too dark, you know, like way too uh, uncomfortable. And I think James Gunn just, yeah, I mean, he there's a lot of heart to his work, and I, and I value that. I appreciate that. As much as I would love some dark movies, because that's just who I am deep down. Mm. Um, outside of Batman, <laughs> I don't, I don't need dark movies. Like let them, let them yeah. fly in their own space and be re- just absolutely ridiculous all the time. You'll give just repeat customers yeah. and that'll be me. I'll come back yeah. and watch this. I mean, uh, no offense to oh, yeah. anything that they do because, uh, you know, there's a lot of movies in the franchise I, I enjoy, but look at, look at the fast and furious. Like, Oh just, yeah. Just they take just, it to the most ridiculous level ever. And you know what? Stop, stop. Make money. Stop letting them street race. It's time to do crazy stuff. And everyone goes, all right. And then they even yeah. go on and do a spinoff with Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And Idris Elba's like, I'm Black Superman. And I'm sitting in my seat watching going, you're damn right you are. Yeah, you are. I would love to keep <laughs> going, buddy. And if you could really be Black Superman, I'd sign up for that movie, I too. I would watch that movie. He could, at the very least, be Black Jor-El. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Sorry for the tangent. Sorry. Yeah, I know. It my happens. Bad. My bad. It's okay. You should listen to the episode that we did with the Little Bit of Nerd podcast where I talked with Jalen. And we talk about Michael B. Jordan as Black Superman. Also would be awesome. Would be dope. But anyway, that's not what this episode is. All right. So are we going to close down the, the uh, Suicide I think squad? we are going to close down the Suicide Squad because if we don't... We'll just keep going. We will. We will. And I, I, honestly, like, so out of ratings, I love I love ratings things. Like, you're going to do letters? You're going to do numbers? Numbers, like one out of ten. Like, get on there. What would you give it? I would give this... Eight and a half staros. <laughs> I think that's totally fair. That's probably yeah. right where I'm at too. I, I'd give it eight and a half staros. This is a B plus for me. Yeah. I mean improvements, yes. Plot holes. Thanks, uh, Florida Man, for pointing those out. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, it's a fun time. Yeah, it's a great yeah. time. It was mad. It was a magically entertaining film. Yeah. That's all it is. Florida it, Man, what do you give it? Uh, eight and a half. I think. Beach uh, Dick. Eight. <laughs> Eight and a half beach dicks. Yeah. Out of a 10, think, which would be a full beach. How many beach dicks were on there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However many peacemaker has to, uh, has to eat. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I it was so, you said eight and a half. That was exactly what I was thinking. I think this film was, uh, you know, it's not going to set the world on fire on, you know, like on, oh, is this masterpiece that makes you think critically. This isn't, you know, um, uh, necessarily an art film but it's it's so much fun um i think this is exactly what dc needs i think this is the kind of stuff that dc needs to keep hitting on um and i can't wait to go back and revisit it yeah critically outside of the soundtrack it's not winning awards but it's a great time it's fun this is a fun movie wait a minute hang on a second give me your rating eight and a half eight and a half okay okay. i think think that's right yeah i mean that's that's b plus i mean what else do you want i mean what else do you expect Honestly, that's on the higher tier of most DCEU movies. So, uh, like, I'll take it. Yeah, I really like. I want to put this above a lot of Marvel movies, but the problem for me when it comes to comparing a Marvel movie now to DC is, man, Endgame kind of changed my life. That felt like such a generational moment that yeah. I think of all Marvel movies now on that level just by association. I almost brought this up earlier when you mentioned the movie poster, and I'm like, do you remember Infinity War or Endgame's poster? 
Oh, yeah. But then, because you're talking about character development, oh, wait, we already did all this development in the last 20 movies. So, yeah. like, we're, okay, just, just cruise through it. Okay, we're good. By the way, something about movie posters, when we saw the movie poster for this during Fandom, remember when they covered that? Everybody's hanging out inside a big star. And then when they... Yeah. Nobody, nobody when, caught that. Yeah. When they revealed Starro, Florida Man looks at me and goes, dude, they, they're in a big star. It's like, no, I did not catch that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch it at all. Which was nice. All right, though, but let's move on, though. Let's move on. Let's talk about What If, real quick. What If dropped on Disney Plus today. And I, I have thoughts. Does anybody else want to share thoughts? By the way, this is the episode. It's the first episode, which did a lot of heavy lifting um, because it just had to introduce the concept. And they picked the best voice to be the watcher. Oh, my God. Jeffrey Wright. They did a great job with Commissioner that. Gordon in the upcoming The Batman film. And not only did they pick a great it's voice so to be good. the watcher, they picked the first Avenger to go after. Yeah. And I'm like, who else would you start with? Really? You know, you know what I really liked about this, um, and it was huge, is even in this what-if scenario, Steve does not get the super soldier formula. They did not immediately bench him. Yeah, he was still yeah. a heavy part in that her life. Huge yep. to me because that what they did was they said you don't get the serum, but they still showed his spirit to fight for his country and end up putting him inside some really ahead of his time Iron Man Tesseract powered Iron Man uh, suit. But I thought that that was really cool that that's what they decided to do. Even if we're looking at what if Peggy got the super soldier serum, and she was badass. Oh, she was so cool. I mean, we never even on screen. We never saw Steve Rogers stop a tank or a truck with his to run it like a cargo truck like that and flip it with the shield. Although he probably could have, yeah, because we we did see him throw motorcycles and stuff, right? But like, even for him, like I know he had those like wow moments when he was running through the streets of Brooklyn and New York, chasing down the Hydra agent after he first got the serum, because those were the aha moments for him. But watching her in battle say, that was great. Let's do that again. Yeah. And I'm, oh my gosh, I was there for that. And to see her love the shield yeah. was great. Where were you all my life? Perfect. Man. Yeah, this, this felt like, uh, you know, it, it felt like almost like yeah, a chance to revisit Captain America with a more, with a bigger budget and a more self-assured Marvel. Uh, you know, like I think in the early days. Marvel, yes. Yeah, in the early days there, they wouldn't have done the more, I don't know how many spoilers we want to get, but the more fantastical elements that we saw near the end of this episode. Um, because it would have been too much at that time. Yeah, they think, were still kind of like trying to feel things out. I think full spoiler warning, because again, this will be out a week after the initial yeah. episode launch. But like, yeah, like um, you really visit the entire movie and see yeah. if, um, if Peggy was um, Captain Carter instead of... Um, uh, Steve. So, uh, and again, it was kind of predictable at the end. I, I'll say that about it. Um, you kind yeah. of saw what was going to happen. Like, you got to the train scene, and you're like, well, I see who, instead of Bucky, it's going to be the yeah, the other. So, um, you kind of saw that coming. But at the same time, it was still, like, meaningful, and you didn't know what happened to him at the time. So, you're like, oh, my gosh. Seriously? They're going to do that? That's how they're going to go? You so, know what I did like? Um at first, I thought it was super ridiculous. But the more I thought about it, the more I went, no, no, that makes sense. 
was the whatever interdimensional thing that Hydra brings over to be their weapon, right? Was just nothing but tentacles. And I was yeah. like, that is so dumb. That is dumb. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, he's just sitting there fingering the wall painting of like the Hydra. And then that makes perfect sense. But well, like, it was very Cthulhu, and yeah. That was exactly it. I was like, this is like some Lovecraft like yeah. type of stuff. But also, plot, plot hole, how do they find that mm-hmm. specifically? I did. Well, it like... reminded me of. Go ahead, go ahead, my bad. Oh, no, no, no. As I said, that, that reminded me of Guillermo del Toro's first Hellboy movie, in that sense. Yes. Yeah. Like, again, very HP Lovecraft kind of, you know, yeah. like the call of Cthulhu, you know? But also, I was thinking this. They had this monster that just essentially just squishes Red Skull like, you know, like, like nothing. <laughs> and then Peggy Carr is like, you know what? I didn't skip leg day. Let me go ahead and push this whole thing back. Like, that That was the only part where for a moment I was like, all right, I'm not in on this 100%. Like, I get that Steve got the super soldier serum and became as strong as he was. So what happens if somebody who's not already kind of, like, weak and asthmatic gets it? So I assume Peggy's probably a little stronger than Steve. Just because she was already built a little bit. Yeah, she came out of that thing looking like the Hulk, and I was like, feel free to smack me around. That's fine. I know she's animated, <laughs> but I also know what the voice looks like. The animation style was great. And the animation was yeah. phenomenal. I was actually a little concerned in the beginning. I was like, what is Marvel doing going animated like this? It almost, I thought it was going to be like cell shaded a yeah. little bit. But it wasn't. It was just like this. It was almost like this good balance. Like they almost video captured everyone and then turned it to animation. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, yeah. Go off your end. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Oh, no. It reminded me of rotoscoping like that. Yeah. Like that kind of style of, yeah. like you said, like drawing over the frames of somebody. Was it computer generated, though, with? It wasn't hand drawn, right? It, I feel like it was. Oh, I'm sure there was pieces. I think, yeah, I think it was computer generated, just in general, because okay. that's how all animation is now, right? Yeah, I just felt like it looked like polygonal models, maybe with yeah, yeah, with that were looked two dimensional, but yeah, yeah. And I agree with Brandon. I mean, the, the last the that tentacle scene, like they could have had Red Skull escaping just like he did originally in um, Captain America's first fight with him. And right. just say he ran out the back door as Captain America pushed either the, either the monster slash whatever they called in because I just the the fact that it was an octopus or squid whatever it was like yeah. it's just it's just too much for me like plot hole every day <laughs> I thought uh, but like if it could have been anybody and he was like you are my champion and she was like you know what I'm gonna push this back through the portal that would have been okay with me if he was just like. Oh, I don't like that champion. I'm out of here. You know, I actually now I realize you're talking about Red Skull. I'm thinking of Steve. I thought that that should have ended with Steve like flying into the portal with the thing and detonating the Tesseract. Also, would be mm. cool. Like I thought that would be the, a great way to close the portal too, right? Because now the Tesseract's on the other side. Maybe you'd be left with massive calamari hanging out. But the, the monster's gone. Go. Right, yeah, let's eat this stuff, right? Um, what? But I also realized oh, yeah. it was important to get Captain Carter to the present. Yeah, which was an awesome Which I thought set, they right? did a good job of. Which, can you believe Jeremy Renner and freaking um, Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson just in studio? Hey, let's... Uh, yeah, we'll do this. We're not busy right now. And Jeremy Renner was just like, oh, that's Captain Carter. Yeah, well, 
Jeremy Renner was probably already there to film Hawkeye. Well. Which we might get a good piece of Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury in that anyway. It's possible, not likely, but possible. Because uh, he's still going to show oh, up. Oh, he'll just be around. Yeah, I have he a will. good feeling for him. I do, too. I, I'm always happy to see Nick Fury. But anyway, I did like how they kept a lot of the aspects the same. Um, Steve Yore talked yeah. about, I liked Captain America, the first Avenger, the movie itself. Well, you still get the Howling Commandos, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, which just was just great to me. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, you see them, like, with the WoW, like, when when did dames start fighting like the, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah now they started now no, right now and we'll just go ahead and follow mm-hmm. you cool yeah well and, and one thing that was kind of interesting too i thought was that you know the first captain america movie stands out to me a little bit and again this is early marvel this is before they were purchased by disney you know there's a lot of reasons behind this but the first one sticks out to me for being kind of very violent for an mcu film you know, there was like a uh, hydra people knocked into propeller planes and missed the, missed the blood. You know, and there's it was very Indiana Jones like in that sense. There was kind of Nazis. There was a hydra that is agency. So spot on. Yeah. Yeah, maimed and crushed and all that. And, and this did that again. I was kind of like watching this and going, "Oh wow, I'm I'm a little and it's not like a cool clutching, but you know, what I mean, just kind of surprised that they kind of leaned into the violence of. I mean, there was there was clearly people who were killed in this, and again, it's, maybe it's because it's animated, maybe it's because of Disney Plus, maybe it's because the MCU is a little safer these days. But like, you know, she's flipping over um, people in a motorcycle, and it like lands on their heads yeah, and the bursts of flames. Yeah, you know? the passenger just yeah. flips over. Dude, I that dude was yeah, dead. Was like, I enjoyed when she yeah, this guy's the like, tank and threw the grenade in. I was like, wow, yeah. that's okay. well, we've seen that though in MCU or, movies. You know, we I've have, but that. still, like, you're very aware in Captain America specifically. With the howling community. They, well, yeah, but he yeah, was, the guy kicks a whole bag of stuff. Oh, no. shucks, shucks it in there, right? Yeah, he does. But again, that's before Disney actually had completely purchased. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's that, like that's that, early. That's, that's the early argument he's making. Yeah. So it's, it's very yeah, and it's just kind of like this embrace of that. Yeah, I was like, hey, let's just go back since we're going back and redoing Captain America anyway. Let's just go ahead and just be like, and, and you know, I mean, nobody. Nazis and zombies are the two categories of villains that you can just maim and kill with a reckless abandon. Nobody, nobody cares. Um, and robots, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and robots. I think everybody Skywalker. Cool, I like, mean, hey, when Luke Skywalker dropped in on the Mandalorian, it had to be robots. Otherwise, <laughs> there's a problem. Okay. Also, this is not the Force Diet. Calm down. We, uh, let's go back. I'm I, good. I know you're, you're drifting. <laughs> Stay on course. There's no drifting there. It was just like there's there's three categories. Go <laughs> go. By the way, did anybody mention aliens? Because yeah. nobody. Oh, no, some dinosaurs? aliens are okay. Uh, yeah, the, the Shatari feel real bitter about how you can just wantonly decimate them and keep going. But anyway, um, yeah. I, you know yeah, what I, I really I, like about this, though, is we've been teased with the multiverse now, and I know the pandemic mm-hmm. has a lot to do with how long we've had to wait for it, but we've been teased with the multiverse for an extended period of time now, about two years, and we got it. And now we finally have it. I mean, from the jump of the opening credits... You go, a point in time is more like a prism. And you're like, yeah, they did it. And at the end of the episode, it, they're like, I'm the watcher. And I'm like, oh, God, yes. Yeah. Everything. They give you such purpose for these otherwise just Easter egg characters from Guardians Volume 2. Yep. Which is so well, and, and It's still so good. Oh, they, they said they're going to do a second season. So they've already announced the second season. Of this. So it's going to be interesting to see. 
I think it's, I think it's crazy to see if they pick up. Yeah, yeah no, carry I, on or I, what? I think it's crazy that they picked up a second season of this already. I think it is because mm-hmm. it's the what if they can just venture. Oh, out. they do whatever they want with it. Um, what if they had mm-hmm. mutants? But like Loki, they didn't announce the second season until the very end of the season. Yeah. You know, which that's the only other Disney Plus show so far that has a confirmed well, second. Well, season. I mean, Wanda, like that, outside of the movies that she's going to be in, guys, that story's done. It's Marvel. But that story's they done. They can do what they want. They can, but that story's done outside of the main movies now. Like, she needs to reconnect with someone. Well, do you think Captain America and the Winter Soldier doesn't have room for season two? Well, it depends on the story in the main in the main films. They could easily do it again. But they yeah. could, but the, I think it's going to reconnect in the main films first. Well, I think all of this anyway is just one big experiment on the live action shows. And they're going like, hey, this goes well. The cartoons... Yeah, man, they could do that to infinity and beyond, you know, to quote another Disney property. Never why, heard that. Before. Why would they never? That's new. That's new. All right, I got something else that's new for you. Um, no, this will be the MCU's first actual animated feature, right? I know it's a TV show, but this is their first foray into animation. Yeah, I guess for the MCU itself, yeah. For the MCU. Yeah, for, and th- yeah, this for the MCU, because Marvel's done other stuff, rooted. but MCU is... Yeah, yeah. MCU. That, that actually connects to everything else. Yeah. So I'm interested But again, it works, but it's a what if. Yeah. I'm actually surprised. Like, well, I, I think it fits right in with everything else. We just finished Loki, where they just said... The multiverse is multiverse now Multiverse is here. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it fits. It fits with all the story arcs right now. Side note, is it... It, it's wild to me that DC has been trying to get Flashpoint off the ground for Ever. God knows how many years now, and Marvel's already doing their multiverse before Flashpoint's even out yet. It's just it's amazing. And we talked about that a couple episodes ago, about how uh, Flashpoint's about everyone except for the Flash in previous interviews. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It, well, you do have to give credit to DC's TV endeavors. They already did Infinite Crisis. True. true, 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 true. So, but the problem with that is, not everybody's ready to tune into the CW as often as they're ready to go check out, you know, another Marvel film. So, I know I, this actual first episode gives me a lot of hope for the rest of the episodes to come. I wish there were yeah. more than six, or I'm pretty sure it's six. Uh, I hope so, uh, but I do know that we're going to get to see Killmonger interact with, you know, Tony Stark which looks really cool. And then we also get to see, you know, T'Challa as Star-Lord and his interactions with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think we it's have a the lot. Final. Of, yeah, we have some really cool it, stuff to look forward to there. Yeah, uh, to say to that point, it's, it's the... There's nine? Nine what-ifs. Woo! Season one. Yeah. And nine in season two already announced. I'm so stoked. I'm stoked for that. Okay, good stuff. I was going to say that the 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 T'Challa one, the Black Panther one. This is going to be the um, final performance by uh, Chadwick Boseman as well. Oh, so that's going to be there's going to be an emotional weight to that. I didn't realize. Yep, he re- that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this is the final. So it's going to be a little bit of an emotional. Um, I think farewell in that sense. I wonder if they say hey, that what? for that's the next episode. Oh no. No, what? Not that apparently is next the next episode. I'm kind of surprised they didn't save it for the last. That's what I was figuring there. Yeah, do. episode. Uh, what if? 
uh, episode two is what would have happened if T'Challa and not Peter Quill was picked up by Yondu as a child and became Star-Lord. I love that stuff. <laughs> That's great. You know what? I would, have lo- I would have loved to have been in the writer's room just pitching this. All right, fine. Yeah. We'll do it. But how are we going to do it? Well, obviously, it has to be directly related to the MCU. All right, no problem. Here's what we do. Well, so I, I saw an interview with Kevin Feige on this. He was talking about how, like, it was pitched basically the writers who were sitting around, they, they pitched what if without really realizing they were pitching what if. And they were kind of just doing what they could do in multiverse, and they were coming up with wacky stories. And, and I can't remember which one they were talking about in particular. Uh, maybe it was Peggy Carter. And Kevin Feige being like, yeah, that's the what if series. Like, it kind of isn't around it. They kind of they backed into it by accident a little bit. I just can't believe this. Um, this cast list for episode two right now that I'm looking at. So uh, Michael Rooker is Yondu. Mm-hmm. Sean Gunn is Craglin. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa and Star-Lord. Is Zoe Salsa Donovan? Um, I always mess this guy's name up. Uh, Dijamon Honsu is Korath. Dijamon Honsu uh, mm-hmm. is Korath, the pursuer. He, we saw him in Guardians uh, Volume 1. And then Jeffrey Wright as a watcher. And then Chris Sullivan, Taserface. <laughs> so I can't wait to see. And that's the only six listed right now. They might list more later, but those are the six um, Taserface. credited uh, voice actors currently. So, I mean, you've got Guardians 1 and 2 mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, you do. And uh, then obviously Jeffrey Wright, who... What a great voice for the watcher. Anyway, I can't go on. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But like, yeah, guardians one and two, just mixing it up a little bit, but, but you got Michael Rooker and Sean Gunn with Chadwick Boseman. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to there. Can't wait real quick though. Cause I, I just love this. I just thought about it. If you could pick one other person to be the voice of the watcher, who would you pick? Gilbert Godfrey. Oh my god, that's no. I'm Yago cannot make it. It would be hilarious. So I would just start laughing if I heard his voice at this point. I would just start laughing. I would too. I would too. Is it dead or alive or just, oh, he's just alive. alive? No, he's no, alive. no, no, no. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead or alive? Well, I mean, obviously Christopher Walken, but no, keep going. There it is. That's not my choice. <laughs> but he's not dead yet. No, he's not dead. He's alive. Uh, my choice. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright, so perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. I was thinking about it as I was watching it. I heard the voice. I was like, yeah, Jeffrey Wright's awesome. I was like, you know who would have been good for this? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Neil. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. yeah. He would have been awesome because I would have felt like I was watching an episode of Cosmos, but so <laughs> much more. I have two picks. Oh. Um, okay. Okay. James Earl Jones. Y- yes. Ooh. The or, Arby's voice now. Or mm-hmm. I would love Stephen Colbert. Oh no! I couldn't do Colbert. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, just think he would be was, so perfect for it because it'd be like it would half be sarcastic, but it would be just so serious. Well, the whole time he'd be like, "I don't interfere, <laughs> but I probably should." There it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I just feel like that deep James Earl Jones voice would be so great. Also, yeah, but the like, problem with because with he's now aged. Is, because the watcher, I mean, yeah, is but aged. I'm gonna want Arby's the whole time I'm watching this. I'm not gonna know why. That's Marvel meets. <laughs> what Don't my me. real pick would be if I had to pick would be Patrick Stewart. 
Oh, man. Laser Eric would love to hear that. He would agree. Yeah. Whose mission is to boldly go? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But, you know, again, Jeffrey Wright is so good. I love what a, Yeah. I, I, oh. I'm a big Jeffrey Wright fan. So. I would not change this. I was just thinking yeah. in afterthought. You know who could pull this off, too? Yeah, that's good. that's good. I just also know, like, Stephen Colbert is, like, a super fan of all nerd stuff. Yeah. Like, he loves Star Wars. He loves Marvel. Like, You know what we up. should do? Let's get Stephen Colbert on the show. Stephen, if you're not busy... You're wait, a dad. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. You're always busy. So when you can fit us in. You know, between seasons of The Late Show. It's fine. Let's and all of your other appearances. Yeah. Nah, he's not, he'll make time for this. It's fine. He knows how to do Zoom calls now. It's literally only 20 minutes of his time. He'd be over the moon to be a part of the Galactic Dads podcast. I'm positive. <laughs> we'll just reach out to his agent real quick. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to do what everyone else does. Just him up on Twitter because obviously he runs that on his own. Anyway, all right. But yeah, looking forward to the rest of the episodes for what if. I mean, nine episodes. That I mean, nine weeks leads us straight, yeah. straight into the. I mean, that almost leads us into Christmas time. It does, and not only that, yeah. but we get so much in between. Then we'll get um, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten mm-hmm. Rings, and we'll get the Eternals, and we might get a trailer for Spider Man No Way Home. In the next nine weeks, we have to, right? We have to, yeah. Yeah. It's like December. We're running out of time here. So, before the end of the year, which means we have four months left, we're going to get three films and eight more episodes of a Marvel show. And I think we'll still get one more Marvel show to drop. Hmm. Yeah, the machine's picking back up again. Hawkeye's asking a lot for. It is. Not by the end of the year. You don't think so? You think that's 2022? Yeah. Either way, we are beyond spoiled with Marvel again. I I think the I think you and I talked about this before, Brandon, on, on one of the earlier episodes. But I think the pandemic uh, for obviously, I mean, for as awful as it was and, and it is uh, continuing to be, um, in the sense of you know, I, I think if to find a silver lining in regards to Marvel out of all this, the big John caveat aside is that it was kind of good to have a little bit of a break. Um, Agreed. You know, I, I, I'm sure Disney shareholders would feel differently, but I think um, they're doing just fine. Fans, it was kind of like, do you remember shareholder day? Yeah. Well, yeah. It was like a comic con event. It was awesome. I, I think it's interesting. The machine's kicking back up again here. And, uh, and I think they're, you know, any kind of super sense of superhero fatigue that may have been developing, which I do think was developing has kind of had a little bit of time to dissipate and people are kind of going to start to get hungry again for, for Marvel content. I think so. I think also it's good that we were able to get a new platform for it as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, adding extra media always helps, right? Like yeah. the casual fans not going to go start picking up comic books. Unfortunately. I mean, I wish they would because they would make more and that would make a lot of people happy. But at the same time, the casual fan wants to just watch it at their leisure. Yes, yeah. indeed. And Disney Plus is perfect for that. So is HBO Max, by the way. HBO yeah, Max, it really I is the Marvel DC thing. <laughs> yeah, it is, again. Uh, but I'm I'm down for it all. We've got a lot to look forward to. We also have a lot of really good stuff here. Uh, we talked about the Suicide Squad and Marvel's first episode of What If, uh, Captain Carter. Uh, all good stuff, and we thank you very much for joining us on the show today, Florida Man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. 
I know it is at least an hour ahead of us there. You're a man with children. We will, yeah. we will let you go back to your life there. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Have a good night. All right. So this is a part of the episode where we are most happy to thank our Patreon producer level subscribers and above. And of course, as always, we have to start out with the man, the myth, the legend, the Keith Jefferson. Our original OG Patreon subscriber came hot out of the gate at the producer level, and he is a self-described geek and an awesome galactic dad in his own right. Of course, we really appreciate his support. He is the man who made sure that we had an Xbox, uh, my God, Series X on day of launch. Like He went out of his way to make sure we had that. That's a level of support that you seldom see in any show. So, of course, we want to thank Keith Jefferson. Thank you very much. And uh, next guy on our list, the one and only Special K. Thanks for all your AMA questions the other week. Uh, that would really helped out the guys. I know that. I wish I could have been on for some of them. I know you asked me personally a couple of them. But I did. I appreciate I did. them. And, uh, you know, what can you say about the guy? Great dad. Um, great friend. Great uh, bowling partner and uh, I'll leave him off the golf course. All right, there you uh, go. I was gonna, I was gonna go for it if you were gonna go. For I it. figured you would. So, um, and then uh, following him, we got TK three one seven eight eight of the five zero first. Amazing, absolutely Man. amazing. He's back on the Galactic Dad's fact checker game all the time. He's back on it. I love it. The man knows no bounds. Yeah, I'm happy to see that his vacation was great. He came back very wonderfully sunned. Uh, he was wearing the pit viper glasses. Uh, he sent me a photo, and it took everything in me not to post it. Uh, hashtag dad drip. Nah. Oh, boy. Now, not to play it too fast, but we are going to be at QuadCon again, so I can't wait for a list of fact checks that I just can't wait to go I through. Can't wait. I can't wait to get all of these guys at QuadCon with us. Yeah, it'll be a blast again. All right. Well, thank you very much, TK. Uh, next up, we have Azure Laser. He is the latest, well, actually, he's the latest producer-level Patreon member of the show. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. He's really into gaming uh, and a great supporter of the show. Uh, we look to actually get him involved a little bit more uh, later on down the line. But for now, we appreciate his support and uh, love him very much. And, of course, that takes us to our last I Love You 3000-level uh, Patreon member, and that is Joe Peresident. Uh, Joe is, I mean, he's a dad. He is a hardcore comic guy. Uh, he is kind of the in, not even ad, antithesis. He is the, the thesis from a guy who can't speak. He is the ideal galactic dad. Uh, and to have him as an I Love You 3000 level member is huge. Yeah, it means so much. I mean, can't go wrong with him. You can't. Just a great guy. He is. He's great. He, he does really good on the Comic Shop Couch podcast, uh, which um, hopefully we, you and I get up there to go see those guys. I can't wait. Because that, that will be a good time. Uh, when these cons start opening again, we'll be Lights there. out, baby. Well, when these cons well, open Well, lights will again, be on. He'll be at uh, San Diego Comic Con with us. Yeah. So whenever that wants to just happen normally again, we'll, we'll all be on board for that. But either way... I just want to say thank all of you for your support. Uh, we could not do the show without you, and you have really earned this level of applause. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us. But listen, 
As we finish these beers and say cheers, we want to thank all of you for listening. Remember to like, rate, review, and share the show, no matter what uh, platform you're listening to us on. Uh, you can check us out on the patreon.com slash galactic dads for bonus episodes and content that's exclusive only to our Patreon subscribers and much more. Uh, plus, you'll get to get your hands on that sweet Galactic Dads merch. We want to listen. Till next time, uh, we thank you for listening and keep on doing the dad thing. Cheers. See ya.